Welcome to the Preacher's Podcast for the last Sunday of the church year in year A. We are finishing up a series today called The Time in Between, considering the time in between our Savior's coming in flesh and his coming in glory, especially leading up to his coming in glory. And that's what we will be talking about today, a time to yearn for the end. Um, my name is John Mitchell from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. Just to refresh your memories on our preachers for this series, Pastor Dan Hobbin from Flagstaff, Arizona, and Pastor Tom Spiegelberg from Saving Grace in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, before we get into our text discussion, I just wanted to point out something about the lectionary on this last Sunday of the church year, and this also relates to next Sunday, the first Sunday in Advent. The primary set of readings for today focuses on Jesus coming again in glory. And next week, the first Sunday in Advent, the primary set of readings revolves around Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So more of a Jesus as King theme. You can also select the alternate readings for this Sunday and next. And if you do that, you basically reverse the order of the two themes I just mentioned. So the alternate reading for this Sunday would be Christ the King Sunday, which we come to know well from the 93 hymnal. And then the alternate for Advent 1 is Jesus' final Advent in glory and preparing for that. So kind of the way it's designed is that you should either use both primary readings for this Sunday and then for Advent 1, or you should use the alternate readings for this Sunday and Advent 1. If you mix and match the two, what you'll end up with is kind of very similar themes on two consecutive Sundays. So if you do uh, last sun Sunday of the church year this week, and then the alternate for Advent one next week, that has uh, Jesus' final Advent type of theme. Vice versa. Uh, also, you could figure that out if you do Christ the King this Sunday, and then you do uh, Jesus enters Jerusalem on Advent 1, you'll end up with two Jesus as King themes in a row. So my suggestion would be either do both primary readings for this last Sunday and Advent 1, or do both of the alternate readings for this Sunday and Advent 1. Hope that makes sense, but just wanted to clarify, that's a change in the new hymnal lectionary, and that's how it's designed to work. Um, so uh, let's get into our readings for today then. So we're using the, the primary set of readings in the lectionary for the last Sunday of the church year. Tom, uh, could you tell us how you explain the theme for the week? Yeah, <clears throat> sounds good. Hi, Dan. Hi, John. John, good to see that the hair is growing back in again. You're looking uh, yeah. better every day. Nice to see you. Finally, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, taking a look at this whole Matthew chapter 25, and this probably builds a little bit on what we looked at uh, over the last couple of weeks, is this time in between, um, what do we do in the in-between section? Now, there's probably two ways that I have gone with these kind of end-time Sundays. Um, there's a lot of times I've, I've, I've touched on just the final judgment and and the idea from First Thessalonians, where it's supposed to be encouraging to Christians, right? So often it's portrayed as terrifying, but this is an encouraging thing. Um, but on this one, because of the Matthew 25 and just the kind of array of topics that we have, I went on the in-between theme. And the first one with, uh, with the Ten Virgins, it was kind of prepare, so kind of the routine of a Christian life. Um, last week was kind of the produce, so it was the talents, like what do we use, what we have while we're waiting for the Lord. 
And this one, I, I think I'm going to go uh, then on people. Well, what do we what do we do with people while we wait for our Lord? And so my idea is going to be the in between, just kind of how Matthew 25 prepares us for these downtimes between big events, such as our birth and the judgment of our Lord. And this one, I'm going to go on how we treat people and the grace that the difference of grace makes in our life. That's kind of where I'm going with it. Okay. Okay. Uh, great. Dan, could you fill us in on the first reading and the second reading today and how they go with the gospel? First reading is from Daniel chapter seven. It's the vision where Daniel sees heaven's throne room. Uh, the books of judgment are open and he also sees Jesus step into the presence of God, the father. He's described as one, like a son of man. Um, the parallel there with the, the gospel reading, he comes with the clouds of heaven. He has all authority, glory, power. He's going to rule over all forever. So it fits well with the gospel. The second reading, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Again, clouds might tie that together. Jesus descending on the clouds uh, for what purpose? Again, judging. But then every believer will meet him in the air. Um, all those who have died in faith will be raised to life, as, as of course the unbelievers. But as Tom mentioned, this is not a day for us to be afraid of, but we look forward to it. So as we take a look at the gospel lesson, you know, we're not on pins and needles. You know, we know what the verdict will be uh, through faith in Jesus. Okay, thank you. And I could just mention that this uh, Sunday's readings might sound familiar if you were, were used to the end time season that used to be in the 93 hymnal. Those Sunday themes are really all still here in the newer lectionary uh, but not set apart as a separate season. So Last Judgment Sunday uh, readings, I think that would be kind of what we're dealing with um, on this last Sunday of the church year. Uh, very similar themes. Um, but let's get into the text then, which is Matthew 25, 31 to 46. And uh, Tom, at this point, I'll just turn it over to you to just kind of get our discussion started about how to preach this text um, Jesus' words here in this section. Yeah, the, uh, this one too, I, uh, I, I think I asked you guys last time how you typically approach a text. Um, a, lot of the, a lot of the Greek in here is repetitious, and, uh, I, and I think, Dan, you had talked about maybe just looking up, you know, you took on some, some definitions of some definite words in a section like this, as opposed to, like, this is a longer narrative as opposed to, uh, like, an epistle text. And so, I did. I didn't go deep, deep into the Greek this time, but I just tried to take a, a broader view of it and uh, found a really good commentary that did it. So I think the two things that kind of jumped out at me, um, and you guys tell me if, if you ran across this as well. Well, actually, three things I guess um, was the. There's a couple of big questions in here, like who are the least of these. Um, and I believe that Greek word is a derivative of mikros, which talks about little children. And there's uh, quite a bit of debate back and forth as to who that is. Um, and I think the the other big one was the all nations. Who is the all nations? And interesting, I thought that was a pretty easy answer, but there are a lot of thoughts out there. But what I did like is that Matthew consistently uses that term all nations. And I think four, maybe four other times than right here in this text but I think the big one is, um, I believe this is the last discourse that that Matthew uh, records of Jesus. I think there's four other ones before this. But Jesus has one more teaching, I guess you will, after the resurrection, where he talks about all nations. He uses the same terminology when he says, go into all the world. And so I, I, I thought that was kind of a cool link, the, the ethne, the panta ethne. 
uh, link there and, and dove into that one. The other one, and this was something that was pointed out by another text, but really as Matthew records these words and as he's addressing them, you know, he starts out in chapter five by talking about the son of man and the son of man's returning and glory and judgment and all of that stuff that we have to look forward to. If you look at chapter 26, however, the first two verses of 26, he talks about the son of man. She records Jesus's words and he talks about how the son of man is going to go and suffer. And I thought, well, kind of reverse order from what we usually do. We talk about the suffering Christ and then we talk about the triumphant Christ, but it's both there. And so that that concept of son of man, I did just a little check in on, on how Matthew uses that well. And that was an interesting study, uh, how he used that terminology and how he places it in uh, Matthew chapter uh, 25 and, and 26. So th that was a little bit of what I brought out of the Greek. I, I didn't have anything super really other than that, super deep uh, as far as the text itself. Okay. Uh, Dan, any particular notes you would want to mention, or if you'd like to get into the the content of the parable, uh, or however we term this, uh, the picture, the word picture that's here that Jesus builds, um, your thoughts? I think I just jump into maybe some of those word pictures and, you know, the image of Jesus returning in the clouds in glory. Um I guess I'd encourage, you know, our brothers not to pass over that so quickly. Um, is there a way we can flesh that out to help get our members excited about that? Um, let's compare it to how the shepherds reacted when just an angel choir showed up. You know, they were sore afraid, right? Well, now it's Jesus in his glory and with all of his holy angels, right? They're they're coming for war. They're coming to judge and uh, that that's going to be awesome, right? And then you could bring in the um, the Daniel passage, the the First Thessalonians passage. Don't worry, you're not going to miss it. You know, even if you die, because you will be raised and you'll get to take that all in. And then I think from there you could just start to get into the, some of the law application to say, so what's Jesus returning to do? He's returning to judge the world. You know, is that going to be a surprise to you? It might, if your image of Jesus is he's perpetual nice guy. And he doesn't really care about how I live or what I do. And yet, what will he say in Matthew 25, 41? Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. You know, there's a group of people that's so offensive to Jesus that he won't tolerate their presence on Judgment Day or ever again. Right? Just as you wouldn't tolerate the presence of a dead rat in the middle of your living room, you'd get rid of it, whatever you had to do. Um, so what is it about this group that's so offensive? Here again is another surprise, right? Jesus does not say to the hell-bound hell group, you sold drugs to preteens, you cheated on your spouse, you killed unborn babies, you ripped off your customers. Instead, he tells them what, um, you know, you didn't do for the least of these. And I think that's sobering to us. So specific law for the members, if, if I think I'm going to heaven because I haven't done any of these big sins, think again. You know, what is Jesus encouraging here is those acts of service. All right. Okay. I think the specific law then is Jesus is encouraging acts of service, right, to the least of these. Um, and so when I blow off service opportunities, you know, that's offensive to Jesus. That's sinful, right? And so you're, you're, you're bringing the full weight of the law. Um, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So maybe just one more thought before I, I hand it back off. I think it's interesting how the two groups are not the sheep and the snakes, 
but the sheep and the goats, right? So outwardly, like your unbelieving neighbor, he might even be a nicer guy than you. Um, mm-hmm. But what sets them apart, right? The, the the core is faith in Jesus as your savior and that humility that I I do not do what God has called me to do. And I dare not blow that off. Okay. Uh, your thoughts, Tom, on kind of law and gospel, law, I guess, starting with law themes in the text? Yeah. Oh, Dan, I, I appreciate that. That you, you spoke it very well. I, I think I came about it kind of from a little bit of a, a different angle, but the same conclusion. Um, and it goes back a little bit to the Greek. I'll, I'll, I'll just kind of walk through where I was as far as, far as the specific law. I don't know if, I don't know how much, um, uh, uh, insight that you guys have on the difference of sheep and goats, like during the time of Jesus. But what what I read through on some of it is, you know, both sheep and goats, and I think this was to your point, Dan, both sheep and goats were essential part of everyday life in Israel. Like there was not, I think sometimes we have, and, and Christianity probably has promoted this, like we think of the goat as the devil worshipers and, you know, and everything like that. And then the sheep are always good. But, you know, in Israel, as Jesus talked to the crowd, sheep would have had their particular tendencies to be dumb, but goats would have too. And and goats were just as useful as sheep were, or maybe even more so, because you would milk a goat as well as stew it and eat it and everything else. So it was interesting. The one commentary I read said, you know, there's not really that much of a difference between the sheep and the goat. And Jesus doesn't necessarily, or, or maybe the crowd didn't necessarily have a good feeling about goats and a bad feeling about about sheep or vice versa like you were saying it wasn't sheep and snakes and so you know just those two being so close i guess what i kind of looked at oh and on top of that dan and maybe you know this too having lived in antigua in saint lucia you had random goats and and sheep wandering the the hillside everybody had a sheep or a goat and they looked exactly the like like there wasn't one that was white and fluffy and then one that looked like a goat they both looked the same and someone told me and I'm pretty sure they were just messing with me because I wasn't from St. Lucia that the goat's tails go up and the sheep tails go down. And that's how you tell the difference. I don't know if that's true or not, but in actuality, there's not a big difference. I think they're messing with me, but you know, in the same sort of thing. So as Jesus is talking about this judgment between sheep and goats, they're very, very similar. And I guess the, the, the malady I took out of it or the part that I took out of it was, okay, Jesus in very short order, in two verses, he explains, it's not really a parable. He says, here is Jesus coming to judge at the end of the world. And then the rest of it is really just part of the analogy, the sheep and goat. But but the judgment of, is Jesus. And it happens uh, on that particular day. And it's not going to happen before that. So the idea then is he explains how, how this comes about. And I kind of saw the malady as how easy is it for us as Christians to take on the role of Jesus as judge, and we get to decide who's the sheep and who's the goat. Like if, if, if they look very similar in nature, how often don't we decide whether that person is good or that person is bad based on the outward actions that we see? And so how easy is it for us to become arrogant and even a little offsetting and, and push other people out um, by the simple fact that, well, I'm a sheep. So obviously in this, in this explanation, I'm one of the good guys. And yeah, Jesus says, 
you know, I say to Jesus, oh, come on, Jesus. <laughs> when did I feed the poor? Knowing full well in the back of my head, well, yeah, I gave three bucks to somebody the other day. Like almost a self-righteous or a fake humility uh, that we come across. That. And that's not the point that Jesus is making in the least bit. The judgment is his. Ours is Ours is taking uh, the faith and the love that the Lord has given to us, trusting in our son, in his son, and then and then carrying out those actions. So that that's kind of where I went with it, maybe in a little more circular pattern than, than you had uh, as far as the malady of that. Yeah, but you uh, what you bring up, Tom, reminds me of the weeds and the wheat parable early in, earlier in Matthew, you know, uh, it, it's not ours to bring about the final judgment. This is Jesus' decision. Um, yeah, and also one thing when I talk about the sheep and the goats, kind of what I focus on is, uh, yeah, there will be a separating um, when Jesus comes again in glory, uh, kind of focusing on that. Uh, so, Tom? Yeah, I was just going to add to that, and, and maybe this is why it popped into my head. Again, everybody's in their own particular cultural settings, but I, I live in Southern Baptist country, and I hear on a regular basis how God is weeding out or already separating the sheeps and the goats, mm. uh, especially yeah, especially during times of political, uh, times of voting. Like, oh yeah, the Lord's already sifting them out. I'm like, ah, I, I think he had a parable that says differently. But <laughs> I mean, in, 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 the, in the background of their mind, we're sheep, they're goat, and Lord, we're ready. Like judgment to them is time to get some revenge. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, the way the judgment comes across, it just completely hamstrings a Christian's compassion and love for the lost. And I I think that's why Jesus brings up these illustrations about, yeah. you know, what to do in the judgment. Yeah. Okay. So rather than, uh, well, literally rushing to judgment as if we are capable and that's our authority, to, we have the authority to do that. Uh, yeah. Turning it the other direction Jesus saying, in the meantime, uh, love, yeah, um, show care, show grace to those around you. Um, how about then, uh, we talked about kind of malady and law themes. Uh, what about gospel themes in here? I mean, I have I have one in mind or that uh, a kind of a key word that I, I uh, use to uh, preach the gospel from this text, but I'd like to hear what you guys uh, think or how you approach it. So how do you preach the gospel from this text uh dan your thoughts well i think you know the unassuming nature of the believers right and so i think tom that that's a great place to go with that right where we can be so judgmental and and yet how do the believers respond when when do we do those things right and so um faith just does them because that's the Holy Spirit working in you. And it's not like you're trying to rack up points for a pizza party in heaven. You know, that's not what we're all about. You know, we don't serve to get, we serve because we've got, you know, we have salvation, we have peace. Um, but how do you, so how do you bring in that forgiveness? It's, it's just, you know, it's, it's astounding that, um, and Deutschlander brings this up, that the verdict is spoken even before, um, Jesus points to the works, right? So it's not the other way around. And why why is it that Jesus is going to point to the works that we have done? Um, you know, maybe a, a gospel application or point you could make is something like this. It's, you know, whatever you did for the least of these, you know, out of faith, out of thanks to Christ, you did for Christ himself. It's, it's what happens when, you know, the, use a piece of carbon paper, you know, of course, 
90% of our members are going to remember that. So you might have to have your PowerPoint picture and bring, bring up and say, you know, you got the carbon paper, you slip that between the top sheet and the bottom sheet, whatever you mark, you make on the top sheet also is made exactly on that bottom sheet. And so whatever you did for the least of these, it's as if you did that for Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Just to think of even that diaper you're changing, you know, you're doing that to God's glory, even that, that member that, well, here we go again, another 20, 30 minute conversation. I just want to go home, you know, and you just have to go, I'm doing this for Jesus. Right. And, and what a privilege that I have to do this. And Jesus is going to count this, even though I'm struggling with these sinful thoughts. Um, so it's not like, you know, the, the mother-in-law who tastes the soup that her daughter-in-law has made and says, yeah, that's, that's good. But she's just really biting her lip because it's terrible, you know? When Jesus looks at our works, they really are good because they've been washed in his blood. You know, there's nothing fake about it. Mm -hmm. Great. Uh, Tom, your gospel themes in, in the text? Yeah, those are good. I in, in this one, too, I feel like maybe like pulling out some specific words I didn't do such a good job at. But I, I kind of was looking at the active obedience of, of Christ and one one thing I noted is it, back in Matthew, like on the Sermon of the Mount, and here comes, I, I'm going back to that judgmental part. Um, I think it's in Matthew chapter six, where Jesus starts off similar lines. He's like, well, you know, what good is it do to, to love people that already love you back? You know, you got to love your enemies. You got to love those who persecute you. And it brings out all of that stuff. And I think there's a common theme then when you get to this point, too, because it's talking about the least of those or those that are suffering because of it. It's interesting, right after that portion of scripture in Matthew chapter six, he talks about don't judge, right? And and obviously we do judge as Christians. I mean, at some point we judge against the word of God and Jesus has a different application there. But the simple fact that that Sermon on the Mount kind of goes along with this ultimate judgment, I felt those two were tied together. And so just looking back at, okay, so how did Jesus... How did Jesus approach? He is the judge. There's no doubt about it. And yet, and yet, to a large degree, he's still associated with the goats. In fact, just after this, in the next chapter, he allows the woman to pour the perfume on his feet and everybody criticized her, and blah, blah, blah. You know, all that stuff that comes out. And, and it, you know, you think about how Jesus treated his enemies, how he was persecuted, how on the cross, and how everything else. And here's the son of God right? The judge of all time. And yet what he does is exactly what he tells us to do. He, he loves his enemies. He, he, he gives up everything. He empties himself of, uh, in order to become like us and die at the hands of, of basically the huge injustice in those that hated him. And, and I guess that bringing that into our lives too. And again, like I said before, this, this may be kind of a, a, a stretch, but when he compares the two groups, he said, come to those who are blessed by my father and those who are cursed by my father. How are we blessed by the Lord? The first and foremost thing is the Holy Spirit's come into our life and given us faith. Like the only difference is, is between faith or not. And I guess it's that grace to realize that we are nothing, um, but with the faith of God we and, and the forgiveness that comes through it, we are everything. And so now the Lord just goes out and says, listen, go hit the goats up, go hit the sheep up, go hit the least of these up, go hit everybody up because everything that you do out of faith uh, shows that faith in your heart and the grace of God that we have. And I, I, that's kind of where I spun it. Okay. I yeah. should say spin. It wasn't necessarily spin, but. Um, a couple of words that I have um, used to kind of uh, 
as bridges to gospel proclamation here. One is, I think you just mentioned it, Tom, um, blessed by my father in verse 34. Um, I think I remember Professor Brug saying, you know, uh, how do you become uh, blessed? Well, it's you know, this is the father choosing to bless you. So there's his grace. Um, and this is really why we um, will be on Jesus' right. Um, it's because Jesus, uh, in his grace, has saved us. It's because the Father, in his grace, has chosen to bless us with that gift. Um, and the other word, also in verse 34, um, receive your inheritance or take your inheritance or inherit the kingdom. And I think that's an interesting word. Um, you know, what do you do to earn an inheritance? Well, you, you don't really do anything. Um, you receive an inheritance because you're part of a certain family. Um, so I've used that at times to say uh, the, the critical thing is God has brought us into his family, and by grace we have this inheritance. And then, gone on from there, and I think we'll, we'll get into this next, then um, the works that we have done flow out of that relationship uh, that we have been given by being brought into the father's family. Um, so yeah, there's just a couple ideas also to kind of get into a, some gospel themes in the text, but I think there are actually a, a lot of them for this text about the final judgment. There's a whole lot in here about um, Jesus saying, uh, I've got you right through the act, his act of obedience, the grace that he shows us. Um, yeah. So there are a lot of gospel opportunities here in the text. Um, then we've kind of talked about it a little bit already, but uh, Tom, you brought up the discussion about who are the least of these, and Dan, you've talked about it um, in terms of uh, service opportunities from uh, mirror use of the law. Um, what do you do um, with these, uh, whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done for me? And Dan, you've kind of mentioned this already, but any further thoughts on on those, uh, or how you go about bringing that into your message, Dan? Well, I think it's, uh, well, John Chrysostom made this point. He he observes that Jesus will not say, I was sick and you healed me. I was in prison and you freed me, right? So mm -hmm. um, you don't have to become a missionary to go to the other side of the world to, to do acts that Jesus counts as awesome, right? And so, um, and maybe that, that can flow out of, um, last Sunday's idea of the parable of the talents, right? You might be a one-talent servant, but God has placed you right where he wants you to be. Um, serve faithfully, serve joyfully, um, and and be happy, be content with that. So I think those are kind of, to me, were some neat thoughts. Okay. Tom, further thoughts on that? Yeah. I, you know, we were talking about this before we got on the podcast too, and I, I, I kind of struggled with exactly what I was going to do with the least of these. And there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different views that are out there. And I, I, I think probably what I'm going to do is just go very broad on it and not, not necessarily even define it. Like, and, and the reason is because if you look at, if you look at how God wants us to act um, to other people, he 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 calls us to see him through his eyes in a very similar way, right? So whether you're my enemy or you're my friend, that our reaction is the same. So whether the least or the greatest or whoever it is, our reaction to others are the same. And I, so I kind of want that broad look on it because I think we have, and again, maybe this is in my particular context, but it is so easy to draw 
lines of us and them. And however you want to draw, Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, um, you know, Baptist, Lutheran, however you want to draw, we tend to draw these lines. And and again, going back to that, to the to the Matthew text on the on uh, the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord call, calls us to do these to be kind to people to acts no, no matter what. And so I, I I feel bad, but I don't think I came down and defined it other than here's who you were. You were without Christ, and now you're with Christ. Mm-hmm. Let you, let God. You probably heard that saying before. Shoot them all. Let God sort them out. Now I don't think I'd say that in my sermon. But to some degree, we're like, we'll love them all, and then we'll, we'll let God sort them out in the end. And so yeah. I don't know who I don't know who the least of these are, but we're going to treat them the way the Lord wants us to treat all people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be kind of generous, indiscriminate with the love that we give, the service that we offer. Okay. Um, great. Uh, theme ideas or how you approach this to kind of um, summarize this. This, uh, yeah, it's a sizable text of some familiar, but plenty of things to talk about and discuss and and ponder. Um, how do you kind of wrap it together? What main thought do you bring out in a theme? Uh, ideas there? Go ahead, uh, Tom. Tom? Uh, no, I hate going before Dan, because then I'm going to hear his, and I'm going to have to change my whole theme as I write my sermon on this. <laughs> yeah. All right, so... Two ideas came to mind. Um, as I think what I'm going to do is, is run with the idea of the time in between uh, and, and kind of liken it to what do you do the time in between? Like how about the time if you're part of the wedding party and you're waiting for the bride and the groom to show up or the time between Thanksgiving and Christmas or, uh, you know, these indiscriminate times where we're forced to wait and we kind of think about it. And what do you do during that time? That, that period of time uh, when you get to the locker room before you run out on the field for a football game. That's filled with all kinds of stuff and like this anticipation. And so with Matthew 25, I think I'm going to use it as, okay, let's use this time in between now and when we meet our Lord. And the first one is, is prepare, produce. Uh, the second one is produce. And the last one, I think I'm going to focus on people. Like in, instead of going on the judgment, I think focus on what do we do with, with people during this time in between. And probably it's somewhat uh, a practical approach is going to be what do you do with the people that you run into between Thanksgiving and Christmas? Like almost for all of us, um, you end up not always hanging out with people you particularly like over Christmas, depending if you're around family or work or whatever else. So how do you deal with both sections of people, whether you think they're sheep or goats, how do we approach this? So that was one thought. Um, the other one was, I guess, kind of, uh, to kind of hit the hypocrisy of it. And again, it's not on the judgment necessarily, but like, um, my title was going to be something along the line of, is he a she, is he or she think of somebody in your head? Are they a sheep or a goat? And right away, I think we start, like, I know that nasty neighbor of mine, her dog always poops in my front yard. That's a goat, right? And so we have this judgment. But then the theme would be, um, well, uh, as we look at it, that's not really our call, right? Because we were the cursed, and now we're the blessed. And the only dividing point is the grace that God has given us. So let's treat others in that respect, too. So that's kind of, I think, where I'm going to go. Okay. Okay. Good ideas. Uh, Dan? When I was uh, working through this, I, I was trying to be really clever, and I thought, oh, maybe I could do something with goat, you know, greatest of all time. Like, who is who is the goat? And everyone has that kind of argument. So who, who is going to be the greatest of all time in, in Jesus' 
um, eyes on Judgment Day, it's not those who are promoting themselves. It's not those who have done these, you know, wonderful cancer cures and all that kind of stuff. I mean, they might be if they were believers, right? Um, but then I just, it, it would get too confusing because the greatest of all time is actually the good shepherd, you know, and then his sheep. So then what do you, it, you know, I'm like, okay, just going to leave that. Um, I ran across an interesting article on NPR. It was an article about goats, but for the picture, they showed a picture of a sheep, which they didn't realize. And then an astute observer said, you actually have a picture of a sheep there. And it was difficult because it just was a picture of a, a sheep poking its head through this hole. So you didn't have a lot of information to work on. So I thought, well, what if I showed that picture? Uh, I, I regularly preach with PowerPoint and say, is that a sheep or a goat? How do you know? Can you tell the difference? And mm -hmm. the reader, this reader, the astute reader said, well, you can tell by the ears, you know, goats, uh, the sheep have floppy ears and goats, not necessarily. But as I did more research, that's not always true. Um, the tail thing, you know, that that's not always true either. Um, for me, I, I I used to always think it was well the sheep have the the fluffy right um, the fluffiness around them, but some goats can have that fluff too, and sheep can have short hair. But generally, as I was looking at different pictures, okay, that that's a way you could tell the difference. So I thought, what if you had a question? You know, what separates the sheep from the goats? And then the answer is fluff, and that's an acronym. So F faith, L love. You, unpretentiousness. I know that's a made-up word, so if you don't like that, unassuming attitude. And then F would be future. So you talk about what, what sets us apart, because outwardly, we, we really often look like unbelievers, right? You know, your Mormon friend, he's probably a better neighbor to everyone else than you are. But what's the difference? Faith in Christ, right? And then if you have that faith, that will show itself in acts of love. And they don't have to be these huge, big acts of love. You just... What has God given me every day to do? And another big difference is that unassuming attitude, that unpretentiousness, you know, that I'm not going to say, hey, Lord, look at me, look at what I did, because I will still always realize I still fall short of what God has done, right? And then the big difference, you know, the future, you know, the, the, the goats will go, go away to, to hell. And I think there too, just it's interesting how Jesus said, prepared for the devil right? This is going to be an awful place if it's going to be terrible for the devil, the spiritual being that has way more power than we. So why would I ever want to go there? On the flip side, look at the future uh, prepared for you, the kingdom prepared for you from the creation. The Garden of Eden was awesome. And that only took God six days to make. He's been working on heaven this whole time for you. And, you know, I think you're you're playing with that a little bit, but I think you can, the idea from John 14, I'm going to prepare a place for you, right? I mean, mm -hmm. the idea more there is election, isn't it? That I've chosen you from eternity. But but I, I just think that anticipation, God is, you know, it's just like, um, you know, Christmas is coming up, our girls will be coming home and, you know, we can't wait to get the house ready for them and everything, that anticipation. Just think that's how God, he's so excited to have you back. Um so anyway, that's where I thought I would go with it. So what separates the sheep from the goats? Fluff. All right. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> to um, add, add to that a little bit, I did come across one uh, comment. They were talking about, you know, to, to Jesus hearers, what would the difference between sheep and goats? And, and they also said what the difference between the right and the left would be. Now, I always assume that the right and the left goes back to kind of ancient kings back in Babylon and stuff like that, that, you know, the ones that were accepted in the presence. 
But according to this, according to this commentary, it, it said that it wasn't necessarily the case. Like it wasn't necessarily bad uh, to be on the right or the left. That wouldn't not necessarily been the first thing they thought of, although it wouldn't have been unusual for them to make that illustration. But he did note that in some of the rabbinic tra traditions that the Garden of Eden was always on the right of God. And Gehenna, uh, the place that the fire never went out, was on the left. Mm. So there probably was that thought already in the Jewish mind. Uh, and, and so, like, your idea of future would have played right into that, with the, even with the right and the left, I believe, Dan. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, well, I think we've given preachers a lot to consider um, as they go about preaching this text on the last Sunday of the church year. Uh, Dan, Tom, thanks for being part of this series and contributing your thoughts for the last several weeks. Um, Tom, I, I learned to just roll with whatever comment you made uh, at the beginning of the podcast on Zoom here, but um, uh, I just want to clarify, I don't have a face tattoo, actually, uh, as, but um, if you ever Thanks meet me, I'm expecting that. to see that. Yeah, I, I don't want to disappoint anyone, but no, it's been great uh, working with both of you. God bless your ministries in Arizona and Alabama, and uh Bless you, God bless you, preachers, as you go about proclaiming uh, our Lord who comes as judge, but also as merciful Savior.